Well, good evening again, everybody. It's good to be in God's house tonight. And with those that are joining us online as well, some who wish to be here, but uh, due to circ- other circumstances aren't able to be here, we, we're thinking of you and praying for you, and I and, uh, hope you feel better soon. Uh, tonight we're in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, as we're continuing our study here, talking about uh, these new clothes that God gives us uh, after we become his children. Um, these new things that we can now accomplish through Christ for his glory as we're yielding to his spirit. So Colossians chapter 12, we'll just read verse 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, and tonight we'll look at kindness, humbleness of mind, and meekness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for our opportunity to be here. Lord, to open your word and to study a little bit deeper into it. Lord, help me uh, to present your message tonight, to, to get me out of the way, Lord, that, that your word would go forth, Lord. Uh, we pray that you would use this teaching tonight uh, to, to help uh, us all grow, Lord, closer to you in these days. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Maybe seated. So, last week, I know I didn't use my water cup. Today, I'm going to use my water cup. I'm a bit parched tonight. So, last week, we looked at bowels of mercies, and we spent a good amount of time on that. Tonight, we're going to go a little bit quicker through this verse. I know I have the tendency of picking a word and starting to spider out all over the place. But tonight, we're, not, we're going to spider out, of course, but we're going to have a very fast spider tonight, um, incom- relatively speaking, for me. So last week, we, uh, we looked at bowels of mercy, mercies or compassion toward others is what we've, what we've found that to be. And we looked pretty closely at Paul's letter to Philemon, on, the pa- on, on behalf of Onesimus and how that was showing this compassion that Paul had for his fellow brother in Christ, somebody he had led to the Lord who was not really, uh, hadn't been faithful to his master in the past and is now, Paul is sending him back uh, with, this, with this letter to, um, to Philemon to say, receive him as a brother now. You would have received him as a servant in the past, but receive him as a servant, but more importantly as a brother. And receive him like you would receive myself, Paul had written that letter in that sense. So tonight we're going to look at uh, item B, the description of the new clothes. And we're going to continue in that area on kindness. The next word in our list here. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels bowels of mercies, kindness. So kindness, interesting word. It's listed in the fruit of the Spirit. The, the underlying Greek word is listed there, but it's not translated the same. It's not translated kindness there. It's translated gentleness. There is a, and it has the idea of goodness and kindness and all of these other things that are all wrapped up together. But one commentator wrote about this uh, kindness as being mildness of temper. So yes, you're kind, it is characteristic of you. But we could say, for example, uh, and of course doing it in the flesh and doing it of a wrong spirit and motive to say, well, I cleaned up your room for you. How kind am I to you? And that's not really a great 
thing to think of, right? Is it a good thing to do? Yes, but not with the right motivations and the right spirit behind it. The mildness of temper would be, uh, mildness of temper would be a better way to handle that act of kindness, to make it truly an act of kindness that is something that would glorify God. So our motives and our, 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 our paramount behind what we do. We can do a good thing. We can do kind things. The world can do kind things, but they're not motivated by the love of God in that. And we need to be careful because we have that choice now, right? We can be motivated by the love of God and his spirit directing us. We can be yielded to his spirit or we can do it in the flesh. It can still be a kind act, but it won't mean anything in the long run. It won't bring glory to God in that sense. So I think your book is, is focusing in on uh, the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 35. And I'm going to back up just a little bit so we get a, a bit of context here. Uh, they want to focus on verse 35, on this idea of kindness. But let's just get a little bit better of a context. Luke, chapter 6, verse 27. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. Verse 31. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Right? The golden rule, right? You want people to be nice and, and kind to you? Well, you, you, want, you want a friend? You want a, somebody to be your friend? Well, be a friend. Be kind and nice to somebody. And this, the idea here behind this is Jesus speaking is no matter how they react, right? Our, our motivations should be pure, should be Christ-centered and focused. We can be kind and loving to others without the expectation of that being returned to us. See, the world, as, as, as we'll look down through here, has a different expectation. Verse 32, For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love, the, uh, love those that love them. Right? The world will love you if you show them what they want. Right? Maybe that is love. Maybe that's money. Maybe that's something else, some trinket. They will show you love for that, but only for a season. For sinners also love those that love them. Verse 33, And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners ye also do the same. So the idea here is that, yeah, they're going to return a good, a good deed because you've done a good deed to them. Now, just as a matter of fact of like for like, uh, as, a, as a, a philosopher that I've read some books on would have to say, or a secular philosopher would say, return like for like or value for value. The world looks for this sort of thing. Well, I'll give you this thing if you give me this. Right? It's, it's, always a, it's always a this for that action. But a, but a Christian love, a Christian kindness here, is not motivated by a worldly love and a worldly kindness. It's done out of pure motive. It's done without expectation of reward. Because the reward isn't temporal. It's in, it's in heaven. When you do something out of a pure Christian motive, regardless of whether somebody returns that and says thank you or not or does something nice for you if it's done in the right spirit and with the right motivation that that is laying up treasures for you or yourself in heaven so our, our focus shouldn't be what can i get out of this relationship 
It's how much glory and honor can I give to God by doing this action or saying these words or whatever it might be. Verse 34 in, in Luke chapter 6, And if you lend to them who, whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye for sinners also lend to sinners and receive as much again? So the thing when I read through this passage here and got to this point, I'm thinking, has anybody ever read any Tolkien books or seen any of the Lord of the Rings movies or anything like that? Well, there's, there's a character in there, right? He's the little scraggly guy that's wandering around and is mumbling and hissing and all this sort of thing called Gollum. In one of the movies, because I haven't finished the books ever, I'm not well read. Never, never was motivated to read anything. Unlike my kids, I, I, I think it's awesome. They like to read all the time, maybe a little too much sometimes. But in the, in the movie specifically, this gangly character called Gollum says, he's got a split personality too. We be nice to them if they be nice to us, right? And this I think is, it kind of sums up worldly motivations of being kind to each other. We be nice to, to them if they be nice to us. Or I'll be nice to you if you're nice to me. What can I get out of this relationship, right? It's focused on me. It's not focused on God. And verse 35, but love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. So here Jesus is saying, don't expect a reward from men. Do it for the Lord. Your, your reward will come. And a parallel passage in Matthew chapter 5 but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And here's the key point, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. So here, another synonym for this kindness is gentle, gentleness, right? Mildness of temper. God is gentle and kind to an undeserving world, right? The fact that we're still here, God is kind and gentle toward America. This nation is wicked in, in what we do. We're seeing that wickedness pour out today. We're seeing uh, evil being called good, good being called evil, and all those things. Uh, it, it's it's uh, enough to drive you crazy if you watch too much news or read too many articles. Uh, my suggestion turn off the TV, shut off the computer, open up your Bible, you're going to be a lot happier and more content. So verse 45, I want to make a point there that it, it does not say that doing the things of verse 44, loving your enemies, blessing them that curse you, will make you a Christian. Some could twist this verse out of context. It's not saying that you could make you, it, this will make you a Christian if you do all these things. Well, that's on the do list. And Christianity is, has a done, it, it's finished, it's complete in Jesus Christ. Or you're not going to earn your salvation that way, maintain your salvation, merit anything by doing any, any good works like that. Nothing towards your salvation. Instead, these works are an outworking of the Holy Spirit within the believer. See, we don't do these things naturally. Love your enemies? That's not natural. I can tell you that for sure. It's not natural for me to do now. It certainly wasn't when I was before I was saved. I could tell you stories of just 
just the anger that boiled within me in my past, in my life before I was saved. Just how I was, uh, I planned stuff. Like just planned, to just what can I do to get back at this person? Is it just, I don't know, leaving a dead fish in their locker or, or, or something? I don't know, something, something crazy. But, <clears throat> right, that's not natural is to love your enemies. Right, and it took me a long time even after I was saved to forgive some of them because there were some pretty terrible things that were done to me in my past. I've done terrible things too. Uh, But, you know, loving your enemies is not something that comes naturally. That's something that comes with you when you have that inward heart change. Bless them that curse you. That's not natural. See, the world looks at a statement like this from Jesus, says, eh, I don't need any of that. I can't do that. How can I, how can I ever forgive that person? Or better yet, you meet somebody on, on visitation and they'll tell you, you wouldn't want me in your church or God can't forgive me, right? The, the ultimate, penultimate pride, God can't forgive me because I'm too bad. Look who wrote the majority of the New Testament, a man named Paul. Read about him and what he's done. We'll, we'll, listen, we'll look, at it, uh, look at a couple things here in a minute, but... You know, God is gentle and kind to an undeserving world. <clears throat> and to, do, to be able to do these good works, these good things that bring glory to God, that only comes about by having the Holy Spirit within you. And the only way you get that Holy Spirit within you is to ask for forgiveness, right? Recognize who Jesus is. Trust him to be your savior. Confess your sins to him and him alone. Don't confess them to me. I don't have any power to save anybody, nor does any man that walks this earth. But Jesus Christ, the one who did walk this earth in a perfect, being perfect in all his ways and all his deeds, dying on the cross and rising again, trusting in that for the remission of your sins, that's it. It's just that simple. The world needs Jesus today. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, there's a lot of parallels between Colossians and Ephesians and Galatians that we see and and uh, in this passage we'll be coming back to this particular verse in the end of end of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 reads and be kind one to another tender hearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you so let's think about this too somebody has done wrong to you in their past how hard is that for you to forgive them when you look at all that God has forgiven you of yourself God has forgiven you of everything and you're stuck on that one little thing of somebody who's wronged you. I mean, in my case, there are things that are given to the Lord, but I mean, things that have happened 20, 30 years ago in my life. I can't, I can't count much higher than that. I'm <laughs> no, 20, 30 years ago, when things, bad things have happened in my, in my life, yeah, I've, I've given those up. The other things, asking for forgiveness, confessing my sin to God and things that I've done wrong to people too. God has forgiven you of much through his help, through his spirit and relying on that you can forgive others of what they've done because of that so we as sinners have been forgiven all completely all being, meaning all through the kindness and mercy of God and given the perfect example of forgiveness in Jesus Christ and yielding to the spirit of God is the only way to, to, to be able to forgive to be able to accept that forgiveness as well All right, moving on. Humbleness of mind. Look, I covered more than one point 
in uh, today. So very good. I'm, I'm making progress. Humbleness of mind or just simply humility. So your book says that humility doesn't go out of style, but is seldom worn in these me first times. And you know, I think that's completely wrong. Humility has completely gone out of style. <laughs> it has been for a long time. And you can try to put a date on it. I was trying to think and sit back. Well, when has humility gone out of style? And it's before my time. I, I'm trying to think. I, I'm not even sure that I could put a, 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 a finger on it. Maybe since the fall has humility been out of style. If we, if we want to go all the way back to the original lack of humility, meaning pride, where pride entered in, right? Antonyms, humility and pride. But you know, um, in today's world, we see a lot of it, this lack of humility. It's visible on our social media, this social media, look at me culture that our internet age has given us, right? People are more connected electronically, yet even more disconnected personally than ever before. How many people have Facebook friends? Facebook friends, somebody that you only know through Facebook, that you don't have a, you don't have a, a connection to in, in life, whether it be presently or whether it be in a past life. I think, I'm trying to think, I look through my Facebook friend list, I only have this many. Like, I don't care. I'm not one of those people that has like hundreds. I have a few, and they tolerate me, I suppose. Um, but you know, you, your Facebook friends aren't your friends from that sense. If you don't have a meaningful connection with them outside of ones and zeros flying by on electronic wires, around the world, that's not really not really a meaningful relationship then. There are people that I try to keep in contact with from my past, past jobs, past schools, these sorts of things, and it's nice. It's a nice tool in that sense to be able to keep in connection with somebody, but a friend is somebody, uh, whether, they're, whether they're right next door or down the street or across the country, that you can call and rely on and, and talk with and, and, and do those sorts of things. And isn't somebody that you are boasting to about, look at this awesome meal that I made, click, right? That's, that's, uh, that went for a while. There's a lot of, wow, look at this amazing meal that I'm eating at this awesome vacation spot. I say to that, good for you. I'm happy for you. I mean, I guess if that's what y your life is all about. Okay, I think there's more to it than that, but. Okay, so where was I going? I, I went off on a complete rabbit trail on that one. But you know, this, uh, th this internet social media culture brings out some pretty terrible things in people, right? And I, I will admit it has brought out some pretty terrible things in my past. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm not perfect by any means, but I can catch myself when I see that I'm going to start to lash out at somebody and I, I check myself and I, I pause for a minute. Sometimes I'll actually type it all out and I won't click OK or, or post. I'll just delete it. I've done that many times. Once or twice today, I think. Um, but you know, right, if, if you 
just be careful what you write and what you post, those sorts of things, because the internet truly is forever. It, it goes somewhere and it sticks, sticks around forever. And uh, sometimes you regret some things. I regret some things that I posted there. But uh, what our electronic age has given us is just to become more disconnected and impersonal. So you can lash out at somebody through a computer screen, right? It's so easy to just sit there and bang away on the keyboard and get really angry and uptight and upset about something. And then you send it. And then you're like, zing, I got him. And then you sit back hours or days later and you're like, oh, that was terrible. I just lost my chance. If it's somebody who I've known in the past, or maybe it's a friend of a friend, I've lost an opportunity there to be a witness of Jesus Christ by my actions in there. I've brought shame to Jesus Christ in doing that. And that's not humility. But rather, maybe let's focus on a little bit more positive things now when focusing on what, what pride can bring about, but what can humility bring about? So humility, or rather humbleness of mind, begins there in our thoughts and in our hearts, right? It's what's in us that is going to come right on out. Luke chapter 6 again. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks, or your fingers tight, or your thumbs type on some, some things. Right, that's, that's out of the abundance of your heart. And it's like, wow, I'm pretty wicked. Some of the things that I've said. I need to work on that. Lord, I'm sorry for this. So we see a lack of humility from all over the place in our world today. Pride is especially apparent in politics on both sides. It stems from our nation's lack of focus on God and the Bible. We have the government that we deserve. So I'm making some blanket statements here stems from our nation's lack of focus on God and the Bible. Our nation is focused on things and consuming things and what is the next best gadget? Do we have the iPhone? Who was telling me about the iPhone 40? I think this pastor was telling me about the iPhone 40 a couple years from now. It isn't out yet. But the iPhone 40, when that comes out, will be able to reach out and slap you. The hand will come through the screen and physically take a swap at this. Uh, a swipe at the side of your head. Right, we're all about gadgets and gizmos. For me, I'm guilty of cars. I like cars. Cars are a, an interesting thing. I'm not a Ford guy. I drive a Ford now. I also drive a Chevy, but I'm, I wouldn't call myself a Chevy guy. It's kind of a conflict right there. You're a Ford guy or Chevy guy. Two natures, I, I suppose. Maybe that's a parallel there. Which one is the old nature and which one is the new nature? I'll let you guys decide that. But no, our, this stems our pride that's apparent in politics on both sides of American government and our lives today as individuals stems from our nation's lack of focus on God and the Bible. Nation. A nation is composed of people, right? It's the people that make up this nation that decide, are deciding its direction. And we have the government that is formed by the people of this nation that we deserve. So think about it. That's pretty sobering. We deserve what we have right now. The craziness that is occurring outside, that occurs up in Portland, that occurs in many cities around the country, that occurs in Washington, D.C., and Salem, and, and all over this country, we have exactly what we deserve. We deserve this. 
because we are a nation of individuals not focused on the Bible and on God. We have what we deserve. But what does the Bible say about humility? What does it look like? Well, we have the example of the Apostle Paul, right? And I think these verses have been brought up in, in, in recent times, but it's good to go over these things again. First uh, Corinthians 15.10, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was within me. So humility here. Paul is demonstrating in, in, in other passages, Paul will say, if I had anything to boast about, well, I'm, I'm a, of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I have a lot of credentials that I could throw out at you. I suppose in this world, I have some worldly credentials that I could throw around, but I choose not to. What purpose does it serve? Um, but the Apostle Paul, what does he have to say about himself? He, he credits God. That's where his credit, it's not, he's not pointing to himself, he's pointing to God as the reason why he's able to do what he's able to do. He's doing these things and the motivations are pure and right. And that came about from a dramatic change in his life that we read about. The Apostle Paul meeting Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus and getting saved there and having that life-changing event, which if you're a Christian today, You've had that life-changing event in your own life. I know I have. I can tell you about mine sometime if you'd like to know. But um, You can't meet Jesus Christ on your Damascus road and not have a changed life and not have some major things start changing in your life first to make you uncomfortable in where you're at and then later to continue to motivate you and drive you along the straight and narrow path toward him. 2 Corinthians 10, 17 and 18. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Let God be the one who says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Not me. Look how great I am. I'm a great and wonderful servant. Right? That's, that's not any way to live. Let God commend you in your things. So I have a, a street preacher friend. I have met him in person, so he's not just somebody I follow on Facebook. Once, briefly, uh, who is a friend. I count him as a friend and a brother in Christ. He's very intelligent. If you listen to him talk, if you, you, he's just amazing. He's a, an amazing history person who knows a lot of American history and world history, biblical history. Has a few degrees, right? Things that the world might want to say is a, is a great thing. Um, is well reason, reasoned. He's well read, well well written, with many things that he could boast about, right? You could point all to all these things. I've done all of this stuff, all these things. I've done these all for the Lord. He could boast about them. He could, but he doesn't. But first and foremost. He's a God-fearing man who, I'm going to paraphrase the scenario here, but answered the question once, probably many times of, who do you think you are to somebody that approaches him on the street if he's up there? Who do you think you are spouting off all that language there, telling me that I'm a sinner? His simple reply is, well, I'm a nobody. Who am I? 
I'm a nobody. Jesus Christ is everything. And pointing and elevating Jesus Christ instead of himself. In the world's eyes, he has every reason. Dare I say every right. An over, overused word, if I might say. To point to himself and say, how great am I? But instead, the godly man, the godly Christian seeking after Christ will point to Christ and him alone. And we see this in the Apostle Paul as an example that we have. The verses that we looked at recently, 1 Corinthians 15, 9, for I am the least of the apostles, he says, as he grows closer to Christ and further down his Christian walk. Ephesians 3, 8, whom am the least of all the saints. And finally, in 1 Timothy 1, 15, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom, whom I am chief. And I think as each of us draws closer to Christ, we will have that drawn closer to him. We recognize that, you know, I'm a pretty decent person. I don't uh, rattle off a list of things. That I don't do all these different things that, might, that you can go round and round about, but I'm holding on to this thing secretly. I don't do these things. Or, well... Yeah, I'm, I'm an upstanding person in my church, or right, we're, we're still focused on me in this certain, certain thing until you get to the point of where you recognize the depravity of your sin. Even my mom, whom I'm sure has sinned at some point, uh, but I always look at as somebody who's just very, very kind and genuine. But everybody's a sinner, even my mom. And uh, Jesus came to save her just as he came to save you. And as you draw closer to him, you're going to get closer to how Paul finished his walk, recognizing that we are each the chiefest sinners. That if we were the only ones that had ever sinned, Jesus Christ loved us enough to come and save us. So humility, like unlike self-promotion, always leads to exaltation. This was true for Christ in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Wherefore God hath all hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord Lord to the glory of God the Father right God or Jesus Christ in his humility humbled himself became a servant went to the cross laid down his life took it up again he was that servant. He obeyed his father in all things that he was, he was given to do. The, the, the ultimate example of humility. There is somebody who, God coming down and leaving his first estate, leaving, leaving that fellowship that he had with the father and with the, with the Holy Ghost to, to come to earth, he humbled himself, made himself a little bit lower for you and for me. And it's true of every humble believer, 1 Peter chapter 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Right? It's not we're lifting everybody else up. Or, well, this is a great man of God over there. We're going to elevate him as the one that we, we follow after. I mean, a, a humble man of God following after the Lord with his whole heart 
will point you to Jesus. He won't point you to, oh, well, please donate to such and such a ministry, P.O. Box 555, somewhere, America. Right? He's going to point you to Christ. There's something more I wanted to say on that point. Um, but I've, that thought flew away. So humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. It is God that lifts you up. It's God that gives a reward, the lasting rewards that we have. We're given this gift of salvation by simple faith. But then there are things that we can go on to do after that. We can honor the Lord. We can serve him in this life that he's given us. Uh, Right? I, I was saved when I was 28, almost 29 years old, and... And uh, I'm not sure how many years I have left. I hope a few, a few more would be nice unless the Lord decides he wants to come back tonight. Um, But yeah, I hope to continue to draw closer to him and and serve him in the days he's given me. And we'll finish one more, I think. It's just a short one. It's related to humility, meekness. Meekness. So meekness goes right along with humility and humbleness of mind. It is the glad willingness to submit to God's will. So being meek is not weak, right? Jesus is called meek. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. He calls himself meek. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. So Jesus here says, I'm meek and lowly in heart. And we are called to be meek or toward meekness as as these new clothes that we are to put on as being the new man. That this meekness is in no wise weakness. Jesus, of course, himself being the uh, creator and sustainer of the universe, he complied with the Father's will, enduring even the death on the cross to finish the work the Father had given him to do. So Jesus Christ, he made everything you're doing. He's made you and me, my fingers and toes and everything that, around here, including my nose. Um, bad rhyme. But he's made everything in this world and, and, and sustains it and, and holds it together. Um, seen some interesting secular videos on physics and particle physics and what they think things look like. Um, but it's amazing to me to know that my God holds all of those little specks in his hand and controls them all. And uh, it it truly is in studying engineering and and various different things, we can look out into the cosmos and see the amazing sights of the Milky Way and galaxies and asteroids and gigantic stars that we can't even comprehend how big they are. But our God is bigger than that. And then we can look smaller we, look, we can look to this earth, to our own bodies, to the cells that make it up, to the atoms that make those up, to the protons, neutrons, and electrons that make those up, down to the quarks and gluons and muons and strong and weak forces and all the rest that of, of particle physics that we think we know today. We think that's it. There's a model, a standard model for physics that we think is, is uh, it, I believe, some 12 particles that are listed in it. Um, but our God is in that smallest thing is still bigger than that. And that's the amazing thing about God. And, and, the, and our God who 
who would come to earth and sacrifice himself willingly the son his son jesus christ sacrifice willingly for us is in no wise weak it's demonstrable the greatest love that that could ever be shown In Luke chapter 22, verse 42, and, and speaking of Jesus, just com, uh, complied with the Father's will. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but thine, my will, but thine be done. And Jesus, meek, meekness of all meekness. So question number 10, and we'll end with this one. Question number 10, does being meek mean that we can let people walk all over us? Or that we should let it, people walk all over us? No, I think not, right? We need to be careful. Make sure that we're in the word of God. We're, we're, we're seeking to do his will according to as much as we know what's been revealed to us in his word. And, uh, and yeah, if we're living for God and we're right with him and our attitudes and motivations. We have nothing to fear. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for our evening tonight. Lord, being able to look into your word at kindness and gentleness, at humility uh, contrasted with pride of this world. Lord, we thank you that you've saved us from that, given us a choice to serve you, Lord, now with this new man. And as we're continuing to explore these characteristics, Lord, just pray that you would help us draw closer to you in these days. Be in, our, be in your word more frequently and often be instant in prayer with you communing with you always lord we pray that you would continue to watch over us in the remainder of the week and if you tarry bring us back safely we ask this in jesus name amen